Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Through the Winters Ministry podcast. At Through the Winters Ministry, we believe that with the help of Jesus Christ, we can find purpose in our pain and healing from our past. If this is your first time checking us out, we want to say thank you. And if you enjoy this podcast, please hit subscribe and share this with a friend. All right, everyone, this is Sam here, and I have the pleasure of introducing you to Pastor Sharon Pizzo. She's um, the pastor of United Methodist Church in Santa Maria, Long Island, and she's going on to her third year, or completed your third year. Um, going on my third Go- year, starting in July. Starting in July, going on her third year, being the senior pastor here, and um, we're just going to share a little bit of her story of how she came to the faith and where God placed a passion in her heart. Uh, to minister and what she feels is next in her life and the direction that God wants her to go in. So, Pastor Sharon, welcome. Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm doing well. And um, I just want to, we can start with this, uh, from what you just briefly told me before we start recording and, and a little bit of what I know about you, have, you've always had a passion to minister. You want the fire of God to just fall everywhere yeah. in all of Long Island and, and anywhere as possible. Um, and from now, what I just heard, this is something that actually started from where you were younger yes. as a child. You know, you want to explain a little bit of just sure. what was going on in your mind as a child? Sure. So I, before I lived in Long Island, we lived in Far Rockaway, Queens, and it was a Hasidic Jewish um, community. And back then, I was the only Catholic family on the block. So at Christmas time, when we received Christmas cards, I had a bright idea. I must have been about seven, eight years old, where I began cutting up the Christmas cards and putting them in the rabbi and everybody else's mailboxes well they all knew it was only me because I was the only one on the block that would have done this so I consider that my first of being evangelical and spreading the news of Jesus Christ not even knowing what I was doing so they didn't didn't take too kind to that no no, and my parents weren't too thrilled with me either at the time but I was always seeking to understand Um, my famous one-liner I've shared with my testimony is my mother was Jewish my father was Catholic and I was confused Um, I was kind of brought up with not too much of tenets of faith where we kind of celebrated all the holidays so I was the cool kid on the block because I had Hanukkah and Passover and Christmas and Easter but there was no real understanding of what this was all about. Was it that you were introduced to God and Christ maybe, but just weren't taught it at home? The the actual uh, faith behind it? Yeah, it was more of, you know, the celebration without the understanding of what what we were celebrating. This is what we do, not necessarily what we believe. Yeah, exactly. What we do, not who we are. But um, for me, I always had a hunger and a thirst to understand. So and I didn't really understand what I was doing in God. It's so funny. In the last couple of years, going through um, articulating my call and thinking back, things that I forgot completely, God is recalled in my spirit, even to when I was young, getting up really early in the morning, like 6 o'clock in the morning, to put on Davy and Goliath, the claymation. Yeah, yep, that was yep, my church. Yeah. Uh, there was something in it I needed to understand. I had a desire oh, okay. to learn. And my little Italian grandmother would bring me to church because my father, um, we would, we call them priesters, so basically I only went to church with him on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> that was it. So for me, 
I needed more. I wanted to understand more. And I remember when my I was a little bit older, my grandmother would take me, I'll never forget, to St. Joachim's in Cedarhurst, this beautiful little red church. And we would go during the week because she loved the folk music on the altar they used to play. Yeah. So I believe my grandmother what, was charismatic. What, uh, what denomination was that? Catholic, Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic, but they had a little yeah, folksy they had music. Yeah, folk singing in, yeah. back in the day. So nice. my grandmother, she used to say, I love the way they would sing on the altar. And I would go with her and my Aunt Margie. And, you know, so seeds were being planted at a very young age. So these were the things I recall. I also remember because um, being Catholic and Jewish and not really understanding where, where I was in all of that, I was very attracted to, I'm sure you remember the God Squad. Yeah. And yeah. I used to remember listening. Where it had different, different faiths, yeah. pastors of yeah. different faiths. Like yeah. So I remember on a Sunday night, it's so funny how I remember this. I believe it was like 7, 8 o'clock at night, I think. And I was probably now 12, 13, 14 years old. I would go in my room put on the radio, try to find it on somewhere on the AM station, and they would be talking about faith, but I wanted to understand more about it, because here I was, I was half Jewish, half Catholic, what did that mean? I don't understand, and I, I'm not even sure, but I faintly remember writing a letter to them, trying to get some to explanation, yeah, and yeah. I don't know if I ever really mailed it, but I remember that there was that desire, there was that hunger, there was that thirst, and I now scoping back yeah. looking at where I am I believe that was the pervenient grace of God the wooing yeah. of the Holy Spirit from that young age well, that was my question um, you know usually kids that age I, I won't say everyone but you have a good chunk of people that one way or another their grandma went to church if not their parents went to church during the holidays you know Christmas Easter and anything else in between um, that would have similar stories like yours um, but at a young age you, you you, I guess, believed in God then. Yeah. You, you felt he was real, but you just, you wanted to know more about, and I think that's where sometimes the story would be a little different than others. You know, was, church was the thing we did, but you wanted to know why yeah. is this like, yeah, so that, I find that unique, you yeah. know. Um, do you know what sparked that or other than just maybe the drawing of the Holy Spirit itself? You know, I don't think I had language for it at that time, but I really believe, you know, that there's been commentators and ministers that talk about having a God-shaped hole. Okay. And I believe I was looking for something to fill it. Okay. And what happened was, after my mother's mother passed away, my nana, who was Jewish, I knew she would never understand because I was drawing closer to the Christian faith, the Catholic. See, in my world, you have to understand, you were either Jewish or Catholic. There was nothing in between. Right, right. So I didn't know Couldn't about... Couldn't combine the two. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't know about anything else. So I was drawn more into the Roman Catholic faith. So after she had passed, I felt God allowing me to finally say, this is what I need. So I wanted, I ended up going to the rectory. It was St. Raymond's in East Rockaway because at that point we lived in Lindbrook. And I actually studied with a priest for a year and a half to become Catholic. That sounds weird, weird language, but <laughs> that, that's what you had to do. So I studied with him, and honestly, I can't even remember what we studied. I would meet with him Wednesday afternoons after going. I was in college at the time, okay. and uh, we would study the Bible. And even at that point, there were things I didn't understand, but I continued to move forward in what I was doing. And on the Easter Vigil... I received, I was baptized, received communion and confirmation. You received all the sacraments yeah. um, as a candidate. And my grandmother 
Rose, who I love, miss dearly, was my sponsor. So she was with me because she was my seed planter. Yeah, yeah. And I was a newly found Christian. I was Roman Catholic. It made sense. I remember the priest the first year asked me to teach a fourth grade catechism, handed me a curriculum. I have no idea what I did. I prayed and scared anybody <laughs> along the lines. So, so I kind of went along doing what I was doing. Got married in the faith, married somebody who also had a very similar background that I did, and he also did the same thing. Yeah. This was my first marriage. Um, and you know, you have your kids, you live your life, you have your hopes, you have your expectations, and things started to go in a very southerly direction. My um, dad was diagnosed with leukemia at, uh, at a young age, in his 40s, and part of my issues, and I think we'll touch on that in another part, we'll probably go forward to go backwards, but my father and I had a very tumultuous relationship. My father, by today's standards, would have been considered abusive, okay. um, verbally and physically, and I believe, you know, I, I've, I've forgiven him every now and then. Something may come up and, you know, we, we come back to the altar and we say, Lord, you know, just I give this to you. And yeah. Was this from a young age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really been throughout my life. But when my father got very sick, um, things started to change. I also was pregnant with my first son. My dad actually passed when I was seven and a half months pregnant with my first son. And that was the first time that I can remember that we were starting to get close, that some reparations were being made to me and my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he died, I was so angry at God. And I didn't know how to resolve that because in the Catholic faith, there was religion. I didn't have relationship. I didn't know language or what to do with how I was feeling. So just when you start to, um, I guess, find healing in relationship with you and your dad. Yeah. um, Again, the fact that you were able to forgive him with what he did in the past. But you were finally saying, okay, I finally gained maybe the dad that I wanted. Yeah. And then he was taken away. Yeah. That's about that. So yeah. those resentment there. Yeah, it was all big time anger, resentment. Um, and at that point, my marriage was starting to fray because oh. my ex-husband was becoming. Um, well, my father passed. A couple of years later, I had a second son, and things were just really falling apart. Things were just fraying really bad, and he was becoming very verbally abusive, and he was very heavy-handed with our children. Wow. Um, because patterns of behavior repeat. Sure. So if they're not addressed and they're not healed, you repeat behavior. And because was your husband at the time abused as a, when he was younger? Um, I don't think he was abused. I think he was in a family of abusiveness. They were very sharp. They were difficult people. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's was in the realm of it. Was he directly? I mean, when I met him, he wasn't talking to his mother for whatever reason, and I don't, you know, want to bash anybody. Yeah, no, no, no. Condemnation that we have a God who does that, that's not my job. So, um, so for for all intents and purposes, things were fraying a couple years after my father passed away, had my second son, there was different behaviors that were going on, and it just started to get really bad, and this marriage ended up you know, resolving in divorce, okay. um, which probably I should have done sooner than later, but because of the patterns in my life and the different situations that happened throughout my um, younger years kind of re- created a harvest of codependency. Okay. Um, and codependent in the sense of where 
you needed that approval from others because I believe I was seeking a lot of approval from my father. That's the sense of the physical father. Okay. So you start looking for that in all different people. Sure. Because um, I got married actually at 19 years old. Okay. And a big part of that reason was I wanted to get out of my father's house and ended up in my husband's Leave house. Situation, which yeah. Which eventually spiraled because he wasn't that way when we first got married. Sure. And I think things in his life changed to be respectful to him. So, um, you know, things happen. Yeah. And I don't believe, I know that the Bible talks a lot about divorce. And I've had a lot of people in counseling talk to me about that. And yes, God doesn't want divorce because it frays in so many different spaces. And I still deal with the remnants of that with yeah. my own children. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is God doesn't say it's okay to be a doormat yeah he doesn't say it's okay to be abused right and neglect is also abuse yeah yeah so with that being said when i came out of that relationship my marriage um died there's a death and there's grieving that needs to happen i never gave myself a chance to grieve and instead out of desperation and fear for the next seven years there were different men that came into my life because i was looking again for that hole okay. in my heart to be filled um you know when you act from desperation there's no restoration yeah. because you're doing things in, in split second thoughts yeah, 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 yeah. and you're acting on emotions you're not acting in any in any other way and at this time and you're looking for something to resolve that emotion yeah, that feelings it's like yeah. uh, i need that feeling of love yeah. i need that feeling yeah. of that that i am important to somebody or whatever yeah and, and, and exactly because my identification Again, I didn't have language for this. I left the Catholic Church for different reasons. Okay. And I didn't know that my identification of love, my identification of who I am as in a child of God, no, my identification was grounded and rooted in things of this world. Okay. So that's where I was, and it took me on a spiral downwards for about seven years into okay. one relationship and into another, to um, really hard and really dark places. Um, I never got involved in the addiction with drugs or really not even alcoholism would drink maybe a little bit more than should have but it was never a problem but you know when you're hungering after something that's not of God and it's in need there's an addiction there yeah. so there was an addiction to be loved yeah. and you tend to do that in the wrong way so it was you know if one relationship didn't work out then I was looking for another relationship and it wasn't the type that it wasn't I don't want this to come out sounding wrong. It wasn't like a prostitution or anything like that. Oh, yeah. It was different relationships that lasted for several years. Yeah. But because I was such a mess and ended up with um, anorexia wow. and ended up with Lyme's disease, so I was very sick when I first got divorced because anorexia is really not about weight loss. It's about control. And yeah. I had lost control of everything in my life. And my kids were had their own issues at that time. So it was just a complete and total mess and okay. spiral downward. So we went through a really difficult time. I went through a very difficult time. Um, I'm a survivor of an abortion, um, which has a whole other tear to it. Um, and I've counseled women about that. Yeah. All right, everyone. We want to make sure that you know how to connect with us here at Through the Winters Ministry. And you can do that by going to throughthewinters.com. Again, throughthewinters.com. There, you'll be able to find out any information you want to know about Through the Winters Ministry. You can read our articles, both old and new. 
You even have an opportunity to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Guys, you can also find us on Facebook. Just type in Through the Winter's Ministry on the search engine and it'll take you right to our page. We hope you enjoy our ministry just as much as we enjoy serving you. God bless you all. and empathy beyond myself because I've walked it. Okay. And when you walk in those spaces and places, it gives you grace beyond because grace was extended to me yeah. from God. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of healing had to happen and a lot of change needed to happen. And when I finally, you know, there's that saying that when you finally hit rock bottom, all you can do is look up. Look up, yeah. And at that time, I had taken a year... <clears throat> I was done, I wasn't dating anybody, I wasn't seeing anybody. I just knew that I needed to be alone. And again, it wasn't that relationship, because I didn't have language for that, but there was something, and there was someone, and truly that was Jesus Christ, and holding me up when I couldn't hold myself up. And I even remember going back to the Catholic Church, and I remember saying, I need to feel God, I need to feel something. Well, that was gonna be my question, yeah. Um, When, Okay, so you get married at 19, together from how many years? We were married for, I believe, 11 years. 11 years, okay. So um, you're about at least maybe in your 30s then? Yeah, I got, I got divorced at 32. At 32. Seven years yeah. of different relationships and just trying to find who you were and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then finally after that seventh year, you're saying there's something. Because my question was then, after, after, after the divorce, because you're since seven years old to yeah. 19 yeah. you were trying to figure out who God was and you felt that that was the way to go where did you feel God was um, in the divorce let's say after, after the divorce yeah. what was were, were you still trying to seek him or did he take a back burner to, you know like you know I think I was so angry that he took my father okay so since the time your dad died yeah, that was it my dad okay. and then my divorce and then Okay. You know, and I tell people this, you know, God doesn't move, we do. I moved. And I, and you know, even though I hadn't given my life to Jesus Christ at that time, you know, when you're in church, there's still conviction happening because you're still a hero of the word. Okay. And I knew that I wasn't doing the right thing or living a right life, but church would only convict that. Yes. So yeah. you tend to turn from... You know, so we see this every day, right? You turn from what you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, you come out of the light and go into the dark. Because your religious experience was more of the do's and don'ts. Yeah. This is how God wants you to live. Yeah. And if you fell short of that. Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> A lack of mercy and grace. Exactly. So if you fell short of that, then yeah. now it's more guilt. And oh, yeah. So I, I won't even follow God at all, so yeah. then I don't have to feel guilty. Yeah, I used to say that if I walked into the church, the walls would probably bleed <laughs> and it would crumble on me. So there was real fear. Okay. And you know what? Nobody had to condemn me because I had enough self-condemnation for what I had done. That's key for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So, but God can heal all things. So, finally, I had given myself this time, this year, I went back to the church, and I remember going back three times and feeling nothing. Whoa. Feeling nothing. Numb. And I finally said, you know what? God doesn't love me. I must be cursed. Something's wrong. It's, it's not working. I'm not feeling anything. And it really did a number on me, but I, I just continued to do what I was doing. 
and it wasn't too long after that that I met my husband that I'm with. I call him God's gracious gift to me. Um, and besides him being really cute, I tell him that all the time, I was attracted to the light in him. He spoke in a way I never heard before. There was something different about him, and I wanted to understand it. And at that point, I was—I had my defenses up. I wasn't getting into a relationship. And now I finally had my boundary line in place. But God was doing a work. God was doing something. So seven years, God's perfect number, right? I walked in all of this darkness, okay, because God was doing something. And after Carl and I started getting to know each other, we courted for a really a long time. But then he started to pray with me on the phone. See, he was saved. So we would pray. And I never heard anyone pray like that before. And I'll never forget the one time he said to me, okay, I'm going to go to church, and my service is at 10, so I'll probably give you a call around 1.30. And I'm thinking, oh, do they serve lunch at your church? What's going on? And he's like, no, that's just It's not the 45-minute mass, whatever. Right, because that's all I knew, you know? So I said, wow. And then I remember maybe two or three times after him mentioning that to me, I finally said, you know what, can I come with you? Yeah. I want to have that experience. And he was, we laughed, he was probably doing cartwheels on the other side of the phone. And he's like, you played it off. Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> so I remember going to the church and it was, oh gosh, I can't, the church is non-existent now, but it was in Terryville. It was a fellowship church, non-denominational. And I remember going and thinking, wow, this is so different than what I was used to. Maybe there were 40 people. Yeah. They were praising. People had their hands up. Some people were on the floor. They were loud. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and, you know, the demons inside of me were, like, going nuts. And, this, you know, this was just what's happening. And, um, but I was so attracted to what was going on there. It was calling me, and it was speaking to me. And I kept going, even though there was a little bit of fear because you something felt you right know. though. Yeah. There was something like this is where you needed to be. This is where you needed to be. And I kept going and going. And I'll never forget this one pastor because the church was fraying at this okay. point. And all of a sudden, the, the senior pastor left, and they had different visiting pastors coming in. And this one pastor, who probably was a bit Pentecostal and had different backgrounds. Um, at the time came in and preached and it was strong and I was on the edge of my seat and I didn't even want him to stop and I was just on it was amazing and then for the first time he did what was called an altar call now I never heard this language before and I you know was just listening and watching and I was starting to feel some things and I was probably going to this church now going on four months and I kept saying to Carl I, I hope this pastor comes back I hope this pastor comes back and I was starting to learn this, the praise songs and lift my hands and the change was starting to happen and the shackles were starting to come off and the bondage was breaking and um, God was beginning to really rend yeah. my heart. And this one Sunday we went and sure enough, that pastor was there. Um, and he preached and I, I couldn't even tell you, Sam, what he preached on, but you know what? When Something he was did right. an altar call, I felt that the Lord, I could cry telling you this, lifted my body and brought me to the altar, and I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. And I was 40 when that happened. So I had walked the desert for 40 years, Mm. wandering, looking in all the wrong places, just like the Israelites did, mumbling and grumbling. And here I was, and I finally invited Jesus Christ into my heart. And I'll tell you, I've never been the same since. And that pastor 
Pastor David Greeley actually ended up being one of the associate pastors at the church that I left, that I was at for 13 years, and he does my pulpit supply here. No way! <laughs> yes. So he's working with you here now. He comes and helps me here. Yeah. So, That's awesome. I mean, you know, only God can write that story. Yeah. Only God can do that. You know, one of the first scriptures as a baby, um, as an infant in Christ, I went to a women's uh, retreat and it was really powerful with my sister-in-law who invited me and I had no idea what I was getting myself into, seeing things I've never seen before. Um, you know, people speaking in utterances of tongues and things were going on and I, I had no idea what was happening because yeah. she was in a Pentecostal church. And, uh, and here I was, and I'm just like watching and seeing, and all I kept saying is, Lord, I don't know what I'm here. Why am I here? What am I doing here? I don't know why I'm here the whole week. And <laughs> so Saturday night, the pastor, I won't mention any names, she starts moving in the spirit. And again, I had no language for any of this. Yeah. And she, and I'm, and I'm praying, Lord, please don't let her come near me. Please don't let her. Just, so, of course. This is a familiar story. Stops right in story, front of yeah. me. Puts her hand on my forehead, her other hand on my stomach, looks in my eyes and said, there was no accident you were meant to be here. Mm. She had no idea what was in my spirit. I yeah. never had a chance to talk to her. Starts praying over me, and the next thing I know, I was speaking in tongues. Yeah. So I received the baptismal of the Holy Spirit. I have never been the same since that retreat. Yeah. I thought my How far into when you received the Lord? For within four months? Four months. Yeah. Um, that I came home and my husband's like, I've been saved for years. What I don't what happened to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was and I don't think I've ever been the same since. I've been on fire for God. Yep. Um I can attest to that. I've been learning. <laughs> um so many things have happened, so many things needed to happen. Um I've been I've been chains have been broken off of me. I've received deliverance from from codependency, from the things that have happened in my life, from being from abuse. Yeah. from being told I was no good, the unworthiness, yeah. the fear, um, the abortion. Yeah. I, I work with women that can't get past. They can't, you know, God, we give, we have a forgiving God. If God forgives us, the problem is we don't know how to then forgive, forgive ourselves. ourselves and yeah. we live a life that God never intended for us to yeah. live. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I am, I believe that's why God has placed me where I am. I, and I believe that it took a while because a lot had to happen in that in that time. Yeah. You know, God's timing is perfect. We serve an on-time God. And my timing to even be in a pulpit needed to happen at a certain point in my life where God did what he needed to do in okay. me and through me yeah. so I could be there to, to shepherd others. Cool. All right, so I got a few questions then. Um, given what you shared then of, of your story, um, Definitely, then you, you're you're one who believe that there is a God, and and I believe, despite even what people may say, you know, I believe there are those that really just 100% wholeheartedly don't believe that there is a God and all that kind of stuff. But I believe, for the most part, you know, if you were to have a lineup of every 10 people, seven out of 10, if not eight out of 10 people, believe that there is a God, whether or not they truly follow or whatever. Um, and I believe there's some that go through what you went through, where. Um, they see God with the rules and the regulations, and so they purposely then just don't follow God at all because they don't want the burden of it on, on them. If you have a person that is going through it, and the variables can always be so big and vast in the situations, but if you have a person that believes that there is a God, but 
because of what they've been through. Maybe the, the abuse they, or the trauma that they've gone through or the choices that they made in their own lives that they don't think that God can forgive them. What would you say to that type of person? Like, you know, I believe there's a God, but if there's a God, then why did he let this happen to me? Or if there's a God, then will he even forgive me? What would you say to that kind of? back to the parables and to the stories about the adulterous woman and all the ones condemning with stones, you know? Yeah. What, did, what did Jesus say? You know, those who have never committed sin, you know, cast the first stone and what did they all do? All the they condemners dropped, dropped them. Yeah. But Jesus did. It was serious and he actually addressed it and said, woman, you're forgiven but don't sin no more. Yeah. We're given instruction. God helps us through. God wants to make a choice. Us. Yeah, we have to make a choice. Well, listen, we were given free will. God didn't call us as robots. Yeah. So we are given free will. We're, we're given to make choices, but God also gave us a, a, a plan book. Yeah. I call it the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and what do they say? Basic instructions before, before leaving, leaving Earth. Earth. Yeah. So we have, we have a way, and we have to have a want, though, to read the Bible, to understand the nature of who Jesus Christ is. And and I believe prayer is, is a, an important part of that where we connect into our communication with God so we are able to pray and also talk about forgiveness, that God is a forgiving God, but we have to be able to give our full cup of sin yeah. to Him and to release it, but then to release ourselves. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we serve a God who is, who is forgiving. So we definitely have a choice. We have, we have choices that we have to make. Yeah. And if we want God to do something, then we gotta be fair and, and yeah. do something on our part. What about those who, who, who experienced things that were really out of their control? They, you know, they didn't look for the abuse, but the abuse was there. They yeah. didn't look for the right. circumstances, but the circumstances came. Yes. I like to call upon El Roy, Jehovah Roy, the God who sees us. Okay. I believe God saw me through all my pain and all that I went through. And it doesn't mean that God isn't good and God doesn't love us. God sees, you know, people do things out of their own free will. And there is evil in the world. Yeah. My father was abusive. He was heavy-handed. He was very verbally abusive. From the time of being a young child, I remember being told I wasn't good enough. I wasn't thin enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't smart enough. So you grow up always thinking, I'm never enough. I'm never enough, and it's never going to be good. And then at some point, you almost stop trying, because why bother? Right. So it was... Um, it was heaviness. You, you're just under all of that oppression and that heaviness. And, uh, you know, I think for me as a young girl, and I've heard this from other women, especially, you know, women in their 40s and their 50s and 60s who have such a bad relationship with food, a lot of it comes out, out of because food became a comfort. It became, you know, you have an unhealthy relationship with that comfort. Some people go to drugs. Some people go to alcohol. Yeah. And listen, nobody wakes up at 50 a mess for no reason. Yeah. You know, and, and I've said this to Something people. Something led them there. Or, yeah, yeah, well, a lot of us spend our adulthood getting over our childhood. Mm, I like that. That's but, a good point. But, yeah. but God is good, and God is a healer. And it's interesting because when I got saved, it took me a little bit of time. See, I was good with, with, with Jesus, and I was good with Holy Spirit. But Father God... Uh, I don't know about that, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. because my father... That seems to be a stumbling yeah, spot it's a for a lot of people. My yeah. father, you know, God bless him, I don't think he knew any better, but he was abusive. Yeah. He was very, very abusive. He, You know, I remember as a child, every couple of months sitting in my kitchen by the nook, I could close my eyes and I could see, you know, I could even smell the wood of the beams on the walls, sitting and having this conversation with my mother present, bless her heart, 
um, Daddy, why don't you love me? Mm. Okay. Why don't you love me? See, my father didn't have language. He was a tough guy, diesel mechanic. You know, it, it never came easy. I think my father would tell other people he loved me, but not me. So oh. I was always felt unloved. Yeah, and um, not good enough. You know, not good enough. So when I came to Jesus, it was really hard for me. But, but I, I want to, this is a, an important point. My deliverance came from Father God. Because once I was able to finally get the understanding that my physical father is not my spiritual Abba. Okay. And when I was able to make that difference and cut that in half. A breakthrough happens. That for yeah. me was a breakthrough. And I was able to receive all the love. All the, all the, I, I'm a co-heir yeah. of yeah. the kingdom of Christ. Yeah. I was adopted into a new family. See, my inheritance was not in unworthiness. I was worthy because God made me worthy. That's 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 a really good point because um, I, I 100% agree with you in that. Um, there are people in the faith that understand the word, uh, follow the word, and, and, and are trying to be as obedient as possible to living to the word. Um, and, and they're walking this whole thing, but I believe that you get it when there's some kind of breakthrough right. that actually happens. And for, and for you, that was it. You you acknowledge who actually Father God was, and, right. and from that point on, it, it everything that now you studied, that you believed, that you were taught, all of a sudden fell into line and made sense. Right. I believe that there are a lot of believers who maybe are even going to church for years that just don't have that breaking point to have everything that they're taught on a Sunday morning and everything else in between to finally make sense for their life. And that's what a lot of even believers, I think, sometimes are struggling with. And for me, I had my breakthrough point um, when I finally let go of how my logical mind processes things and then said, you know what, because I grew up in a church. I grew up hearing the Bible. When my dad uh, was taken from us, you know, uh, I questioned God. I knew God was real. There was nothing that ever made me doubt that God was real. Yeah. Um, but it was finally when I had a, that breaking point for myself that mm-hmm. it said, so this is what it means. Yeah, I knew what the rules were and how you can be a good Christian, but there was never a drive to, this is what I want to do. Not because God tells me to live this way, but because I want to live this way. Um, until my breaking point happened when I recognized, no, he has a plan for me. For me, it was the plan. You know, like, because I'm like, what? What's the plan, God? You know, was was my thing, and when it finally broke for me, then nothing else mattered. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. Believers, for they could be a believer for ten years, twenty years. Yes. It could be a person that's new to the faith for two months. Yeah. If they don't get that breakthrough on knowing when they can finally say, "This is why I need God," you know, and this is why I matter, you know, yeah. it, it can be a blockade. So I told, I totally believe that. And when you had yours, I think that's what a lot of people are seeking for. They'll go to church and they'll sit in the pew. But there's something that they're still going to hold on to. There's something that they refuse to want to accept or, or let go of. And sometimes that keeps that boom, that, that gusto saying, now I can serve the Lord the way I know I'm supposed to. Um, it keeps that blocked or keeps it held in. Yeah. And so I mean, that's why you have some people that can sit in the pews, but they can still be in bondage. They can still, Absolutely. they don't even forgive their, their abuser. They haven't let go of their past. They haven't forgiven themselves or, um, or they like the sin that they're living in. So they'll attend, they'll usher, they'll sing in the choir, they'll whatever, but they'll still hold on to the life that they like to live because they don't want to give it to God 100% right. sometimes. I mean, I've said to people too, you know, that you know we could do A, B, and C, but if you're not willing to vacate the pit, 
Yeah. Some people like the pit. Yeah, yeah. They want to be in They'll the go pit. to Sunday service and then go back yeah, home yeah. to the pit. Yeah, they go back, back yeah. to the pit because <laughs> yeah. it's where they're comfortable. A lot yeah. of times I've said, you know, at what point do you take off your grave clothes and yeah, put on the robe of righteousness that God yeah. wants to put on you? you again, like you just said, you have a choice. Yeah. So are you choosing life or are you choosing death? Yeah. Because there are people that are walking around. I believe, yes, amen, there is a zombie nation going on, mm-hmm. you know, but God doesn't call us to be that. He wants us to have life and yeah. we live life abundantly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but when we have to finally want the shackles to come off, some people like the shackles. It's the excuse what to they stay know. in bondage. Yeah. It is. It becomes yeah. like that old moth-eaten um, sweater yeah. that yeah. you wear all the time because yeah. it's comfortable and I know yeah. it and it's familiar. Yeah. You know, and I believe that's why people self-sabotage in our community. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why the reciprocity rate of people getting cured. Well, and they say there's not a cure, but getting um, set free from addictions, from drugs and everything else is because of the familiar, you know, that I don't feel anything. Yeah. We, we, God gave us emotions. God have, had emotions. The shortest scripture in the Bible is he wept. Yeah. We need to know how to weep. We need, we need to even understand how to be angry. We need to do that. But yeah. it should never be, the feelings should never override our faith. Right. You right. know, we need to raise a praise yeah. whether we want to or not. I just spoke on this on Sunday. It's not dependent upon our emotions. It's dependent upon our faith and how we love God. That, that's what we need to come with. Hey, everyone. All of us here at Through the Winters are so proud of our son, Joseph who just came out with his first single, Realize. You can look him up on Amazon or on iTunes. Look up Joseph Baez, Realize, and download his song. We know you'll enjoy it. Before we conclude this episode with Pastor Sharon Pizzo from the United Methodist Church of Center Riches, Long Island, I want to ask you guys if you enjoy this episode to please hit subscribe and definitely share this with a friend. Now let's get back to Pastor Sharon. say to a person that's in a void like how, how do they find ways out how do they um, believe that they can move forward or that there is something for them you know I had someone tell me once uh, a long time ago that a phone could be the heaviest thing to pick up mm-hmm. and I think that being able to either lift up a phone or lift up a voice and say I need help part of the strategy of the adversary is to isolate and the more you stay in isolation, the more you're going to stay stuck in that pit and in that dark place. And you make you think no one cares yeah. or no one's going to oh, yeah. give you yeah. or whatever. Yeah, okay. and, you, and, you, and you end up staying in, in a state of loneliness and you feed yourself. Mm. You know, you feed yourself and all that negativity because there's nobody there. You know, you need the light to invade okay. the darkness, even in your mind. 
I think it's so important for, for people to be able to reach out, whether it's through a pastor, okay. whether it's through a, a counselor, and, and not uh, and I'm not knocking regular counselors, but you really need somebody with biblical formation and yeah. foundation yeah. to start to grow um, some kind of um, grounding in faith to understand that God is good. Listen, yeah. Jesus, he loved us first. Yeah. And to understand that we are lovable, yeah. that we were created in his image, that we are here for a plan and a purpose. Um, you know, it's hard when people say to me, but I don't understand, Pastor, why why did this happen or why did that yeah. happen? Yeah. And, you know, my answer is this. I don't know. But you know what? He I brought think you here. that if God, yeah. if God wants to reveal that, he will. But there's sometimes... There are some things on this side of eternity we're not going to know, and I believe that's for our good. But to know that there's still hope, yeah. and there's still life, yeah. and there's still a plan, and there's still a purpose. So yeah. there's a matter of starting to pick us up, ourselves up, brush ourselves off, yeah. and just say, Lord, here I am. Yeah. Here I am. Help me out of this pit. And listen, Jesus will be the first one to put his hand down and lift you up and place you upon the rock, which is Christ. Yeah. And, and, and that's the first start, to take one step. Yeah. You know, there are some days we have to do it one minute at a time and take baby steps and get in a, a Bible-believing church and find one person that you could talk to and say, I, I need you to pray with me. I need some good. kind of help. Good. I need something. Be vulnerable. Be transparent. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be honest. Honest yeah. with yourself first, you yeah. know. Um, listen, when we ask God for forgiveness fully, we then need to learn how to receive it fully. Because God then places all of that muck and mire in the sea of forgetfulness. The problem is we don't. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, we also yeah. need to learn how to forgive those who have hurt us. Yeah. Those who have abused us. Listen, I'm not saying that's easy. It wasn't easy for me. But you know what? There has to be a place at which you start. Because from that place where you start, that's where you begin to breathe. Mm. That's where you begin to walk. So it's a new, it's a new place. It's a new space. But... When you can walk that with Jesus, listen, we don't have to walk alone. He right, walks right, with right, us. Right. I love this analogy. So God over us, Jesus next to us, Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. We're encompassed yeah. because he loves us. Yeah. So that's what I try to remind people. Um, when I do counseling, I usually give people scriptures. Meditate on this. Look at this as your life preserver, which will give you buoyancy in the water that you don't drown. Didn't Peter, when he, when he said, Jesus, call me out, call me out, I want to come out to you. Okay, Jesus said, you know, come. He took that foot out of the boat and, and walked on water. But what happened the minute that he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started to go under. Yeah, he started yeah, to yeah, drown. Yeah, yeah. That's the same for us. And he allowed fear to come in. He allowed take, all that, yes, yeah. the minute we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, we go. We go right under the water. And we can go right back into addiction. We can go back into affliction. We can go back to be busted and disgusted and everything else. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, that's how we're able to stay, you know, above our circumstances. You know, listen, the world, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. So we need to keep our eyes on the one who was victorious, who wants us to be victorious. Yeah, this world is going to be what this world is going to be. Not because God doesn't care or God isn't good, but because, like you said earlier, he, He's a gentleman. He's going to allow people to make their decisions and their choices. And unfortunately, sometimes those choices that others make affect us. We see that in just everyday life. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean He doesn't give you the choice of how you're going to handle these situations and how you choose to live your life. And, and even better if you can use that for someone's good. Yes. Um, so... Pastor Sharon, thank you so much. And we're going to do this a little bit more uh, in the future. Uh, I remember uh, whether it was three or four podcasts back, 
Um, I did this one spot where I just said, okay, I'm going to give you weird advice. And even when I listened to it, I was like, you know, this is awkward. But I'm like, you know what? I just feel whoever needs is going to hear this podcast needs to do it. And I, in the podcast, I just said, just breathe. <laughs> yeah. And I did it like two or three times, you know. And I was like, it's going to be okay. Just take a breath. It's going to be okay if you just allow God to work through you. You know, just take a breath, you know, for whoever's listening. And so I'll do that again. Take a breath. It's going to be okay. And um, Pastor Sharon, before we go, can um, you pray for those listening? Um, if they're going through struggles, if they're facing doubts with their own selves, if they think that there's no hope or they maybe heard, you know, they're not good enough, whatever the case may be. But just that God would give hope and even provide a way that they can uh, be transparent and maybe even say, yes, Lord, I need help. So. Amen. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are a good God with a good plan and a good purpose for our lives. I thank you that you are the blessed assurance of hope, oh God. I thank you, Father, that you gave me an opportunity to speak, Lord. And I pray for anyone listening, Father, that anyone that can relate to any part of this, Lord, that you just speak to them through this, Lord. Let them not hear me. Let them hear you. Let them hear how much you love them, oh Father, and that there is always hope in Christ. And I pray, Father, for those that are that are in the pit, that they can call upon the name of Jesus. Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ, that by them calling out his yes, name, Lord. that he will come and pull you out of that miry put, pit and put you upon a rock that is Christ. So Thank I pray, you, Father, for those, Lord, that they do not lean on their own understanding, but acknowledge you in all ways, that God, you will make our path straight. So I just pray, Father, for clarity of the word, oh God. I pray, Father, for those who are just sick and tired of being sick and tired, that they can call upon you, Lord, that they can find you. And when they find you and seek you with all of their heart, they will know that you are God, Lord. So Lord. I just pray, Father, for the newness to come, for the new day, for the new promise, oh God, that behold, you will do a new thing, Lord, that you will make a way in our wilderness and you will put rivers in the streams of the desert, oh Father. So I just pray, Father, for those that are struggling, God, that they know your goodness and your grace, Lord, and they just know that your mercy is anew every morning, Father. So we just pray for people right now, Lord, that are struggling. I pray for anybody that is in bondage and doesn't know how to get out of it, Lord, that you can help them pick up a phone and get help, Father. Yes. That they can call and they know, Father, that someone will listen to them and will pray with them, Lord. And I pray, Father, for wherever they are right now, Lord, that you are a living God and that you hear. So, Father, I pray that where they are, they can call out to the name of Jesus Christ and, Lord, that you saturate them with your hope from the yes, tip of Jesus. their yes, head Jesus. to the tip of their toes and to know that they are truly loved and worthy because, God, you make us worthy. So I just thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I pray for Pastor Sam and for this ministry, O oh God, that this will help those, Lord, to hear the truth of who you are. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friends. On behalf of all of us here at Through the Winters Ministry, I want to say thank you for all the love and for all the support. Through the Winters is here because we want to help people find purpose in their pain, help them find healing from their past, and, and give them a drive to keep on pursuing God in all things. If you'd like to help support us, there's two ways you can go about that. The first is through these podcasts. If you listen to us through Google or Spotify or iTunes, on our page in the About section on the last sentence, You'll find a link that'll send you to a website where you can sponsor us for either $1, $5, or $10 a month. If you listen to us through 
a podcast app. There should be a little icon that says support or sponsor. Click on that, and again, it will take you to a spot where you can support us for either $1, $5, or $10 a month. The second way that you guys can support us is by inviting us to your church. We here at Through the Winters have had experience speaking to men's groups, women's groups, youth groups. We've done Sunday morning services. We've helped out in workshops and conferences. Any way that we can help your church, we want to be there. Just give us a call at 718-679-5356. That number again is 718-679-5356. Guys, once again, thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. Any way that we can help you, just give us a call. God bless.